This is the Christian Life Center podcast. Here at CLC, we are messengers of hope, where we believe in taking God's message of hope everywhere we go to everyone we meet. From wherever you are, be encouraged by this week's message. Hallelujah! He is alive on Resurrection Sunday. Well, take your Bibles and turn with me over to the book of Romans. You know, this year you've heard it, uh, been hearing it, you, uh, in the spoken word, uh, hopefully picked it up. Our theme this year has been reset. It's been reset. And today I want to talk to you about the divine reset. You know, in Romans chapter 5 and verse 12, uh, it shows us in Scripture. Now, this is a very theological passage. It's a very deep passage. But it shows us God's eternal plan and how God rescues you and I from our life of sin from separation and through Jesus's life and his sacrifice and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, today we celebrate the divine reset. There's two major, uh, if it be focal points in human history that Paul is going to deal with here in Romans chapter five. And it's an important passage. And today I'm gonna share with you and we're gonna illuminate this divine reset that takes place. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Romans five, click over there. And we're gonna start reading in verse 12. Romans five, verse 12. Therefore, Paul says... Just as sin entered the world through one man, that is Adam, and death through sin, and in this way, death came to all men, underline it, because all sinned, circle it. For before the law was given, sin was in the world. But sin is not taken into account when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from the time of Adam to the time of Moses, even over those who did not sin by breaking a command, as did Adam, who was a pattern of the one to come. We'll continue reading in a moment. Father, I thank you for the power of your word. I know that your word is anointed. And today, as we open your anointed word, I pray, God, that you illuminate our mind, our heart, our spirits. In fact, everyone that's listening, everyone in the auditorium, will you just ask the Lord to illuminate his word to you right now, to enlighten you, to bring revelation. God, right now, speak to our hearts. In your name we pray. Amen and amen. Paul starts here by talking about the problem. And the problem is man's sin. Paul is saying that sin entered the world and it began to reign. Another way of saying is the power of sin began to reign. Death reigned, sin reigned, and it was because of Adam. What does it mean is it began to dominate, dominate over something. Sin in your life and my life dominates. It's illegitimate. It's something that dominates where it should not be dominating. But that's what sin is. If you're wrestling with struggles, if you're wrestling with something illegitimate in your life right now, it means it's ruling your life. Telling you where to go, what to do, what to say, what to think. It messes with us. It controls us. It dominates. It's ruling your life. It's controlling it causes spiritual blindness. That's what sin does, is it, it, it gets us to a place where we don't see the truth, we don't recognize the truth, and we're even ignorant to the truth. 
It ultimately is separating us from God's love and, and his mercy and our spiritual understanding is blocked. That's what sin does in our life. And so Paul is introducing here one of the great questions of life. And that is, why is there evil in the world? All of us have probably been asked that question or we've asked that question. Why is there evil? Why does God allow evil? Why is this happening? We go through a year like 2020 and we can't help but ask, why is this taking place? Well, Paul gives us the answer. Sin entered the world through Adam, one man. Now, Adam was a real person. And because of his disobedience, sin entered the world. And so what God is saying here is that God says, when sin enters our heart, when we sin by the choices we make, there brings a separation. God put Adam and Eve in the garden and he said to them, they could have anything in the garden, but they could not eat from this one tree. <laughs> the one thing God forbid is the one thing the enemy tempted them to go after. And isn't that how the enemy works in our life? How many can just kind of say amen, right? So the problem was Adam's sinful choice. He disobeyed the Lord. And because he disobeyed the Lord, death came to all of us. Another way of saying is we're all infected with the virus called sin. Now you may say, that's not fair. Adam, why did you sin? Because now I stand condemned. And Paul says, whoa, 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 whoa. You can't just blame Adam for what he did because he says, not only did sin enter the world through Adam and therefore it was our sinful nature we're born into, but he says, we've all sinned. And so even though Adam sinned, you and I have made choices to sin. For example, in football. If somebody is off sides, somebody jumps off side, they don't penalize the player, they penalize the team. Not just the player coming back five or 10 yards, but the whole team has to move back. And because we're connected to Adam. You see, if you've ever been on Ancestry.com and you've done research on your family line, if you were to go way, 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 way back, you would be connected to Adam. And therefore, what he did, we stand condemned. Not only because of what he did, but because of the sin that we choose. In verse 12, he says, all have sinned. So the sin that you and I do stands against us as well. There is an Adam in every one of us, in me and in you, because we choose to follow that which is illegitimate and we allow it to begin to reign in our life. Truth is, we've all been there. Some of us are, are still wrestling and walking through these things in your life. And, and because God's nature is one of holiness and righteousness, holy and just, sin cannot be allowed into the presence of God. And so it brings a separation between us and the Lord. Why? It's because of the nature of God. That means God cannot tolerate anything evil in his presence and therefore there is a separation. It's the nature of God. And because our nature is that of Adam, sinful, we break God's command, therefore that evil in our own heart is separating us from the very presence of the Lord. It's my 
nature. It's your nature. And so we choose to, and in our choosing to disobey the Lord, we ourselves stand like Adam, condemned. So the consequence or, or the condition of that for you and I, Paul says right here, is death. In fact, the Bible, the biblical uh, terminology, if we were to look at this a little bit deeper, is this death means that we are lost. Lost, yeah, we're lost, meaning we're in need of a savior and salvation because of the sin that condemns me. And therefore, we understand a very deep theological passage right here. So the problem is sin. But Paul's going to continue here and begin to show us, thank the Lord, that there is a provision by God. It's the divine reset that we're talking about today. And it's in one name and it's in the name of Jesus that a gift has been given to you and I. And it's the gift of eternal salvation. Paul says that there's a grace that he's going to give and that grace is not something that we earn. It's not something that we have done to receive it. And we stand in this grace and that grace is going to give us the power to overrule that which is illegitimate in our life. Okay, don't miss me. I know you're getting quiet in this theological moment, but there is a grace that God will release that gives you power to break the power of sin in your life. Now, Paul says you can't do this just by following the law. What's the law? Well, it's the God's regulations, the Ten Commandments, the rules of God, all of the things that God says in, the whole, in, the, in all of the whole uh, Old Testament, especially of what the law was. The problem is, is the law shows what's wrong. It doesn't show you how to be saved. You know, the law can't help you to do what it's told you is right. And therefore, the more you try to do the law, the worse it gets. Because there's so many rules in the law. It's like trying to build a fire. The more wood you put in the fire, the bigger the fire becomes. It gets larger and larger and larger. So the law was never meant to fix the problem or to solve the problem. It was only meant to reveal the problem. And the problem was sin. The law reveals the problem. And only God's grace can overrule the problem. That's what we call overcome and being an overcomer of that which is illegitimate in our life. Now, let me not go too far without defining grace for you. Grace is this inexhaustible supply of God's goodness in our life. Where he does for us what we could not do for ourselves. We get what we don't deserve and what we could never earn or replay. That's what we get. If we could, if we could earn it, if we could get to God on our own, we would boast about it, the scripture says. We would declare our righteousness. But none are righteous. All have sinned. All fall short. And all stand condemned. And all need the gift of eternal salvation. And that gift is called grace. Can I hear an amen? So salvation is God reaching down to man. You see, God's calling you today. He's beckoning you. He's speaking to you. If you know it or not, God is wooing you into his presence to walk with him and to be with him. And you need him more than you ever needed him before in this day and in this hour. 
You're not doing God a favor by serving God. No, God is revealing to you the very thing that you need and he reaches down and he helps you. And that's why this passage calls it over and over a gift. Grace is a gift. Can't buy it, can't earn it, can't work for it. You can only access it and you access it by faith. Grace is designed to fix what the law revealed Grace is given, not earned. It's something that you access. And that's what Paul says if we continue. Look here in our passage, Romans 5. Look at verse 15. Same passage. Now, the gift is not like the trespass. For if many died by the trespass of one man, how much more, underline that, how much more? More did God's grace and the gift that came by the grace of one man, that's Jesus, the one name, the one man, Jesus, overflows to many. Again, the gift of God is not like the result of one man's sin. The judgment followed one sin and brought condemnation, but the gift followed many trespasses and brought justification. Just as though I never sinned, that's justification. For if by the trespass of one man, Adam, death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, the one name of Jesus Christ. Powerful, powerful verse here. He talks here in verse 15, how much more the grace of God that abounds to many, how much more. In 1 Corinthians, a parallel passage that Paul writes, Paul still the author, 1 Corinthians 15, 22, for as in Adam, the first Adam, all die, so in Christ, all will be made alive. Now that's important. In Adam, all will die, but in Christ, all will be made alive. 1 Corinthians, same passage, 15, down to verse 45, so it is written, the first Adam became a living being. The last Adam, that's Jesus Christ, the one name, became a living spirit. So here you have it, don't miss me now. Here you have the first Adam allowed death by allowing sin and reigning in sin, the power of sin grips his life, but Adam reigns in life because he allows here the second Adam, the last Adam, Jesus Christ, allowed to be, uh, uh, allowed to be uh, uh, reigning in our hearts, allows life to be given. Ancestry.com, go back to it. If you go way, 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 way back in your family lineage, you will see that you're connected to Adam. But when you become a born-again follower of Christ, you give your life to Christ, in your family tree, you will see in your lineage that there is a transfer over to the lineage of Christ because now you've been adopted by God through that which Jesus Christ has done. Those that don't give their life to Christ, they don't get adopted. But by the gift of eternal salvation, we are transferred into the lineage. And that is the great reset. 
Adam's disobedience brings a sin. That's what it's showing us. Adam's disobedience brings the virus of sin and therefore there's condemnation. But Jesus' obedience brings righteousness. And that righteousness is to all who come to him. It's a justification. There is a provision and the provision is the gift of eternal life. And it's found in only one name. And say it with me, it's the name of Jesus. Say it again, it's in the name of Jesus. And that's where the cross comes in. Jesus is on the cross and he says, it is finished. What's finished? Well, what is finished is that the debt has been paid in full. The sins of the world, those that he was taking on himself when he died on the cross was paid by himself. And therefore we can be free because he gave his life. And he says, it is finished. If we go on in this passage, look here in verse 18 where I left off. Consequently, just as the result of one trespass was condemnation for all men, so also the result of one act of righteousness. That was justification that brought, brings life for all men. For just as those, for just, for, excuse me, for just as though the disobedience of one man, the many were made sinners, so also through the obedience of one man, the many will be made righteous. So really, Paul is saying there's two things that's happening. The debt is paid through the death of Jesus Christ. The debt is paid, but also there is the fulfillment of righteousness that's being fulfilled. He satisfied all of the demands of God. When he gave his life, he fulfilled the commandments of the Old Testament and he fulfilled the demands of God and he, he, he gave his life so that our sins would be forgiven and therefore we now stand in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. All right, let me, let me, let me give you an illustration. There's four men, they're climbing up Mount Everest, they're climbing up a very snowy filled mountain high cliffs, mountain ranges. They've got all the gear. They got the, the pickaxe. They got the shoes with spikes. They got it all and they're climbing up. The first Adam, the first man's name is Adam. The second and third person maybe is you and me. We're there in, in line. And, and then the last man is also named Adam. So the first man is Adam. The second man is you, the third is me, and then the last is Adam. And as they're climbing up the mountain, Adam, the first Adam, slips and falls. Now, thankfully, he's tethered to you and to me and to the last Adam. And as he slips and falls, because he's tethered, he doesn't fall to his death. But what happens is he pulls you down and me down as well. So we all three have slipped and fallen and the last man, whose name is Adam, throws his pickaxe into the icy snow. He locks his boots in and as the three of us go falling down, the first Adam, you and me, the last Adam holds us up because he's nailed himself to the ice. Well, the illustration is easy to understand is that when we slip and fall and we all stumble and we all fall, there he is. The first Adam is what's pulling us down, but the last Adam is the one that's holding us up and saves us. Paul says that, 2 Corinthians 5.21, God made him who had no sin. 
He had no sin. He never sinned. He lived a perfect life. It was his righteousness that brought salvation. God made him who had no sin to what? Be sin for us. This is called theologically the substitutionary work of Christ. He substitutes his life for your life and for my life. The first Adam falls, but the last Adam, Jesus, the man, Jesus, the one name we're talking about today, had never sinned. And in his righteousness, he becomes the righteousness before God so that you and I can be seen right in God's eyes. Now, how does that work? Well, Sin separates us, it dominates, and, and, and it controls, and it blinds us, and as it separates us, we come to a point in all of us, today is your day, if you've never heard the story of the gospel message of Jesus Christ, you are today, and that means as of today, you are now accountable and so we hear the story, we have the revelation. There comes a moment where we realize that we are standing in sin and that sin has separated us from a loving God and a merciful God and a God that wants a relationship with us and desires for us to spend all of eternity with him. But we can't get to him because of sin. We have stumbled and fallen. So in our moment there, we realize, and that's what this message is about today, we realize that I can be saved, I can have a relationship, I can get to him, I'm not gonna fall to my death because he did something that saves me and that was he died on a cross for me. So in the moment that I cry out to him, in the moment that I realize that I need a savior, that I cannot save myself, I need the inexhaustible goodness of God and the mercy of God and the favor of God that I could never earn. I can't get to him. I don't deserve to be with him. My sin condemns me and it separates me, but I call out to him, will you forgive me, God? And will you save me, God? I want a relationship with you. In the moment I cry out like that, the Bible calls that repentance, that cry, that awareness in your heart. The moment that I do it, I receive the grace of God. See, some people think that just because they know about God, they know about all the things of God. They know about Resurrection Sunday. They know that Jesus died on a cross, that he was resurrected from the grave, that they came to church on Easter Sunday or Christmas or New Year's Eve, that that is enough. Boy, the Bible is painting a totally different picture right here. He who had no sin became sin so that we might become the righteousness of God. And the moment I realized that in my righteousness, which is no righteousness, it's like filthy rags in the eyes of God that I need a savior because I can't save myself. In the moment of realizing that, and I cry out to him to be my savior to forgive me of my sin. In my turning from sin and turning to God, God releases his grace in my life. Some people abuse grace. They think just because they know about grace that they're walking in grace. It's not a matter of the mind, but it's a matter of the heart and the condition of the heart and the surrendering of the heart. Here, I read to you, he who had no sin became sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. 
That's like a credit has been applied to your account. Credit's important, we know that. If you go to buy a house and you have a bad credit score, you're going to pay more in interest. You're maybe not even going to get a loan. The worse your credit is, the harder it will become. We know that credit is important, the wrong credit score, and there's so much that you can't do. Well, with the first Adam, sin is credited to my life and to your life because now all have sin. So with the first Adam, what gets credited to me through Adam is sin. But because of Jesus, the last Adam, what gets credited to you and I is righteousness. Righteousness gets put on my credit report and on your credit report. And now I have a perfect score because of what Jesus Christ has done for me. Because Jesus was without sin and in his righteousness, now I put on his righteousness. In his righteousness, now I stand in that righteousness. And as I stand there, I can now stand before God blameless, completely blameless. It's a beautiful thing. It's beautiful. All right, let me, let me give you an example. Let's act like I said to you today, I'm going to pay off your car. Amen. Glory. That's why they're sitting on the front row. <laughs> they heard it in the first service and they wanted to get on the front row. They wanted to get that blessing. I'm gonna pay off your car. Now, if I tell you I'm gonna pay off your car, would you keep sending in payments? No, why? Because you trust my integrity that I'm telling you I'm going to pay off your car. But the problem is too many know that the debt's been paid and they're still sending in their payments. They're still trying to work for it. They're not standing in God's righteousness, but they're working in their own self-righteousness and they're trying to live by the law. And by living by the law, you will never stand in the righteousness of Christ. It's deep theology. You know, uh, when Pastor Candy and I came to Christian Life Center 10 years ago, uh, 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 just about now, about a few months from now, we came and after the, after the first weekend, the first weekend was the installation weekend. It was a big celebration. It was great. But then our first Sunday, our first Sunday after the installation, we found ourselves eating at a restaurant down the road. Candy and I and our three boys uh, at that time. And as we were at that restaurant, I didn't know uh, very many people in the congregation yet. Across the restaurant was a gentleman and his wife. He's gone on to be with the Lord now and she's moved with family uh, up north. But they were sitting across the restaurant and they recognized me. I obviously didn't know them, but they came and introduced themselves. We had a wonderful uh, dialogue with one another. They had gone to the first service, so they were actually finishing their lunch as we were just sitting down. So time came for us to order and, uh, you know, we uh, said goodbye and they left and we ordered, we had our lunch and it was time to pay the bill and I called for the, the check because we still had Sunday night services at that time. So I was hurrying up to get back in the evening and, and as I called for the check, the waitress said, oh, no, 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 that gentleman paid your bill. Now, I didn't go on to pay the bill. The bill had already been paid. But I said, well, let me at least cover the tip. How much was it? No, 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 no. He tipped as well, and he gave more than enough. See, that's what Paul is saying. And by the way, if you ever see me in a restaurant and you want to buy my lunch, go for it. 
<laughs> no, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'll buy your lunch. No, I better not say that. You'll follow me to the restaurant. <laughs> but Paul was saying it's credited to your account and it's so much more if you will understand the grace that's been released to you. Look here in 1 Corinthians in your outline and on the screen. It's because of him that you are in Christ Jesus who has become for us wisdom from God. That is our righteousness. That is our holiness. That is our redemption. That leads me to the third and final point. You see, there's a problem and it's man's sin. There was a provision and it was the gift of eternal salvation. But if we don't understand the power of grace, we will not live in the freedom that God has determined for you and I. And therefore the power is letting grace reign in your life. What does that mean? It's letting grace prevail in your life. Let me show you how Paul says it. Look here in verse 20, Romans 5, same passage, verse 20. The law was added so that trespass might increase. But where sin increased, grace increased, say it with me, all the more. Let me, let's do that again. Where sin increased, grace increased all the more. So that, just as sin reigned in death, so also grace might reign through righteousness to bring the eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The abundance of God's grace. What Paul was saying is, listen, he's saying, guys, you can't miss it. There is a power that you can receive to live in the here and the now. It's not just about eternity. It's not just that you're gonna to get to God, the Father, because of the grace that brings you into union with him. But there is a power that allows you to live in the here and now, and you walk in a freedom and a power that you don't have if you don't understand it. And it's found in allowing grace to reign. Go back up a few verses, same chapter, Romans chapter five. Paul says this in verse one, therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God. That peace comes through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through whom, that's Jesus Christ, we have gained access by faith into what? into the grace. What's the grace? It's the inexhaustible uh, 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 release of God's goodness in our life. We receive it through faith in which we now stand. In the original, that means you stand and you keep standing and you keep standing and you keep standing and you keep standing. No matter what you're going through, no matter what happens, you keep standing in the grace and the goodness of God. Now, the moment you do it, man, it gives you a power and a strength and it's through your walk of obedience because you're walking now and you're standing and you've learned how to stand in grace and faith is now operating in your life and you get a power in your life that you did not have before. 
Now, a great life group discussion, maybe a, a discussion later as a family, is to talk about what can we do to keep standing in the grace and to continue to live in the righteousness of Christ. As you unpack it, you'll begin to see that faith allows you to access that grace, and that grace gives you an authority. Let me show you one more verse, and I'm going to bring our choir and musical team back for our last uh, song of our program today. Turn with me, click over with me to Colossians chapter 2. In verse 13, Colossians 2, verse 13, look here. Paul is the same author. He wrote Romans, he wrote Corinthians, he wrote Colossians. It was written to the church, so to believers in Colossae, the city like Fort Lauderdale, Colossae in Greece. He says, when you, when you, when you died in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your sinful nature, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us of all of our sins, having canceled the written code with its regulations that was against us and that stood opposed to us. That's what we've been talking about, Paul summarizing. He took it away, nailing it to the cross. Now here's the important part. Look here, verse 15. And having disarmed, circle it, having disarmed the powers and the authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. See, there's a power when we stand in the grace and we walk in that grace. There's a power that gives us strength in the here and the now. If you're talking about what the devil is doing to you, then you're denying what Christ did to him and you're believing a lie of the enemy. Too many people are talking about what the enemy's doing and what's happening in the world instead of what Christ has done and what Christ is doing and believing what God said, no matter how I feel, no matter what I see, that he is the one that delivers. He's the one that enables us to walk in obedience. See, I can have a hope and that hope relieves all of my doubts. I can have a hope and that hope helps me to, to understand that no matter how big my mess is, how much I mess up, no matter where I fall short, that if I will keep trusting and believing, there's forgiveness that comes for my sins. Can I hear an amen? He'll conquer my fears. He'll help me overcome death. He'll replace an emptiness in my life. Oh, pastor, you don't understand the problems that I have. You don't know the past that I've had. You don't know what I've gotten tied up in and messed up in. I may not, but this is what I know. It doesn't matter how bad it's been, no matter how large of a mess that you've made, there is a power that comes in the grace of God and it sets you free. If I were to go into your kitchen, you would have different appliances. You would have a toaster. You would have a microwave. Uh, you might have a coffee pot. You'll have a refrigerator. You'll have a stove that's there, a cooktop maybe that's there. They all take, they're all different sizes, right? They're all different sizes, but they all have the same power source that's coming to them. And that's what happens for you and I is there is a power that comes by the grace of God staying in the grace. And Paul makes this final statement that helps us to understand it in conclusion. Romans 16, 20, Paul's still the author. Chapter 16 and verse 20. The God of peace. Now peace comes by standing in the grace. The grace that we now stand in. 
That grace, this forgiveness, it comes through one name, the name of Jesus. And so the God of peace will soon do what? Crush who? Say it louder, who? No, no, you got it. Just get in your spirit. We'll crush Satan under your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus will be with you. Now, this is a reference all the way back to Joshua. Joshua chapter 10. They had just conquered the, the enemy, uh, the enemy uh, uh, armies and they had captured the kings and Joshua sent out his soldiers and he said, I want you to put the enemy kings under your foot. I want you to put your foot on their neck and I want you to show that they're under subjection to you. And here, what Paul is saying to you and I is because of the grace that we have, the power that we have for the here and now, Satan is under your foot. He is under your control. Hear me now, you're not under his control. Too many of you are saying, I can't break free. I can't get out of this. I can't get delivered. My marriage isn't gonna change. Things aren't gonna change. No, 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 Paul was saying, you stand in a grace. There is a grace that reigns in your life and that grace is God's goodness and it puts the enemy under you. He's standing under you, why? Because you've got the righteousness of God. You're not standing on him in your own righteousness. You're not standing on him because you've kept the law. You're standing on him because there is a grace that comes through the righteousness of Christ and now he is under your feet. You see, you start with who he is, not where you are or not who the enemy is. Don't start with your addiction or your mess or or the struggle that you're going through or the pain and the hurt and the suffering. No, you start where he is and you stand in that grace. And when you do, God says, I will give you a strength in the here and the now when you learn to stand in the grace of God. Give him a praise. Give him praise. Credited to your account. You are righteous. You are more than a conqueror. That's what God says about you and I because we have a strength. You know what happens is too many people are looking at the things in the world and they're looking at all the things that will that 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 that, that are so difficult for them to struggle. And what we need to focus on is who he is and on his righteousness. Today, my wife told you earlier, I got a brand new tie. You like my tie? My mama really likes it. She, she uh, says I'm her second favorite preacher because I don't wear a tie every week. <laughs> so I got a new tie. I, I got a new shirt for Easter Sunday to go with my suit. And, and it was nice and clean this morning because it was brand new. I just got it. And so this morning, I have a bad habit when I drive to church in the morning that I drink my cup of coffee and sometimes it spills on me and it gets stained. There's been times I've gotten here and Pastor Kevin's looking and he's, Pastor, you got stains on your shirt. And then I'm in the office trying to clean my shirt. So this morning I was so focused to keep my shirt white and my tie clean and, 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 and or should I say my shirt clean and my tie clean and, and, and have no spots on it that I decided I wasn't gonna wear it to church. I was gonna put it on when I got to church. Why? It's because of my focus. I was focused on keeping it clean. And I got to church and guess what? It's it's clean, right? It worked, right? It worked, it's clean. You see, what happens is too many people are focused on what's gonna get them dirty. 
They're focused on the things that, that are out there. And all of a sudden, they begin to feed that. And that which you feed begins to grow. And the more you feed it, the hungrier it gets. And the more you feed it, the more it pulls you. If you would focus on the righteousness of Christ, if you would focus on walking a life of obedience and standing in the grace of God and letting that grace reign in your life, can I tell you, you'll stand there clean and you'll look good in the presence of God because he will be under your feet and there'll be a power that comes to you. So today, put on the righteousness of Christ. It comes through one name, and that is the name of Jesus. If this ministry is making an impact in your life, why not help us make an impact on the lives of others by partnering with us today? You can give through our CLC app or at clcftl.org forward slash give. Thank you for listening, and remember to subscribe for more inspiring messages like this. Now go and be messengers of hope.